fear of the woods and outside was not always a part of who I am. My father, Zach, and I would plan long weekends of camping out in the National Forest of Washington State. He was an avid outdoorsman and frequently spent time in the woods when he was in his youth. It was on one weekend that all of this changed, and I vowed never to go into the forest again. My dad and I spent the morning loading up the truck with all sorts of supplies we would need for a two-day camping trip. We preferred hiking off-trail, and always loaded our packs prepared for the wilderness. Tent, sleeping bag, food, water, and all of the essentials you would expect. My dad, in addition to his pack load, always brought a pistol with him. This was sometimes frowned upon by hikers, but he, maybe out of paranoia of being a dad, always wanted to keep his daughter safe. The drive out to the national forest roads that connected to the trailheads we would start on was uneventful. I gazed lazily out the car window, taking in the lush greenery that permeates the Washington landscape. The day was overcast, like most days, with rain anticipated for the weekend. That didn't bother us, though. We pushed forward on our hikes and camping regardless of the weather. We parked the car and began unloading the truck, double-checking our packs that all of our supplies were accounted for. We then set out for the main trailhead. The dirt of the main trail was heavily packed, with the occasional tree root jutting out into the trail. There was not much sun poking through the large pines, so we were quietly thankful for the thermal garments we typically wore when hiking during inclement weather. Our goal was an offshoot from the main trail, a less traveled path that forked uphill and into a denser portion of the woods. We found it easily, having studied the map ahead of time, and began our trek uphill. The section of forest felt strange, almost immediately. Animals and birds were quieter than usual. The dirt and rock of the trail was less packed than the main one, which ground under our hiking boots. The sounds of our footsteps noticeable even to us as we pushed into the dense foliage of the trees, almost resisting our path into the deeper woods. We crested a hill about 300 feet from the main trail and saw that the path began to slope downward and continue to narrow into overgrown greenery. The light in this section of the forest was much more filtered than the main path. Adding the overcast weather, it felt more like late evening than midday with the amount of light we were working with. We started down this slope without concern when my dad stopped suddenly. Looking into the trees, he raised a finger and pointed. Haley, look at that. I moved up to where he was standing and looking into the trees. I didn't see anything unusual at first, but then realized there were buildings that could be seen in the dense trees. Dad, what is that? Are those houses? Dunno. Let's check it out. He stepped off the main path and started to work his way through the branches and undergrowth toward the structures. I followed, letting him carve a path that I could easily follow. As we got closer, it was apparent that the buildings, while still standing, were subject to many of the elements of a heavy, forested environment in the Washington area. Moss pushed shingles out at odd angles, and in general, the lumber used for the siding of these houses had grown the dark, mildewy brown that typically inflicts houses in the area that aren't properly maintained. The glass of the windows, for those frames that still had glass in them, was fogged and cracked, impossible to see through. My dad approached one of them and looked through one of the broken window frames. Looks abandoned. There's still stuff in here. Take a look, Haley. Dancing into the cabin, it was clear the forest had been working on taking back the ground the building stood on. The floor was slicked green with algae, and the wood inside looked and smelled rotten. There were small trinkets, though, as if someone had even lived here at some point, but left in a hurry. A table stood in the center of the cabin that had moldy dishware placed out for mealtime. 
we moved around to the front of the structure where, to our surprise, there was a fairly well-kept clearing in the center. Curiosity overwhelming us, we proceeded forward to the center where you might expect a seating area or campfire. We stepped into the clearing between the buildings and found that the center of it contained a structure that seemed almost religious in nature. There stood a triangular object, like two A-frames made of branches set perpendicular to one another, making a symmetrical pyramid. Also, there were skillfully positioned pebbles in a ring around the center structure. Transfixed by the oddity of this sight, I tripped over a raised root in the ground and fell forward into the pseudo-religious artifact. I braced myself for the fall to the ground, landing on my arm but scattering all of the circular stones in all directions away from me. You okay? My dad rushed forward and helped me up. My arm, and maybe my pride a little bit, were aching as I straightened up. While I was busy brushing the dust and dirt off my jacket, I noticed something moving off in the forest on the opposite side of where we entered the center of the buildings. What was that? Looking around to see what I was talking about, my dad said, What was what? I pointed into the woods where I had seen movement. My dad looked, fixed on the spot where I was pointing. Unnervingly, a man stepped out from behind the tree and stood staring at us. His hair and beard were long and unkempt, and his clothing looked ragged. Nothing about his appearance gave me comfort. The fact that he just sort of revealed himself instead of staying hidden gave me a chilling feeling. Uh, hello? My dad called, almost awkwardly to the man who just sort of jumped out from behind a tree. Hello, can you hear me? Again, the man stood there, saying nothing. In that moment, two more figures stepped out from trees a little further back. It was harder to see their exact features, but they looked as ragged and unwelcoming as the first man. My dad turned to me and motioned that it was time to leave. Let's go. I don't like this. We started to back up and step out of the center ring of the cabins. As we reached the tree line, we saw the three men start running, running straight to where we were standing. Run, now! My dad and I started sprinting into the woods in the direction we thought we'd come from. This was hard work with all the gear in our packs. After about four, maybe five hundred feet, he turned quickly and got behind a large old growth tree. I did the same and we knelt down, panting for a moment. Looking around the large tree trunk, I didn't see anyone following us. However, it was next to impossible to be certain what with the density of the forest. I took a sip from my canteen of water, and my dad pulled out his compass. We ran straight back to the trail, right? I'd have thought we'd have reached it by now. He pulled out the map we used to find this location and started to plan our next steps. He motioned for me to follow, and we began moving through the forest again. If it was possible, the forest had somehow gotten even more aggressively closed in. I was also constantly hearing footsteps all around us. Not like they were sneaking, no. They were intentionally being loud, making sure we knew they were out there. That wasn't the creepiest part about it, though. There was laughing. Maybe more like giggling, coming through the leaves of the trees. My dad was starting to look frantic. He kept making odd turns and adjustments to our course. Dad, is everything okay? He stopped for a moment, looking down at his compass again and shaking his head. Haley, come here. I must be having trouble reading this. You remember how to follow a compass. You lead for a bit. 
This caught me off guard, but I stepped forward and took the compass. I looked down at it and the map, plotted my course, and began stepping forward. As I did so, the compass slowly spun around 180 degrees into the opposite direction. As if, instead of taking a few steps forward, I had turned around completely. Confused, I tested it again, looking at the map, my current location, choosing a path, and stepping forward. Again, the compass acted like I had turned around completely. This time I did turn around and looked at my dad. He looked as if he read my mind. I guess we'll have to ignore the compass, Haley. Try to use landmarks. I wasn't paying attention when we went down to the cabins. And now I don't know how to get back to the trail. I looked down the hill from where we had come from. My heart sunk as four more ragged men came out from behind the trees. Not moving toward us, just staring that blank stare at us again. My dad saw them too. Putting his hand on my back, we moved forward into the forest at a faster pace. After a couple of hours of seemingly no progress on finding a good direction, we started to lose light to the evening hours of the day. We're going to have to set up camp before we lose all light. Let's get out our packs. He said this with apprehension in his voice, and I could tell he was not comfortable with making camp with such a recent sighting of these strange forest people. We gathered some wood from nearby, set up a tent, and got the fire going. I don't think either of us were up for sleeping, and so we sat by the fire, eating the food we'd brought with us, listening to the strange noises happening around us. The giggling had turned outright laughing, and there was a low murmur, like dozens of people speaking in low whispers all around us. With the fire burning lower and lower, it was clear that neither my dad or myself were going out into the dark woods to find more. As the embers burned lower, the footsteps and speaking seemed to get closer and closer, until it was almost as if the people were next to us, whispering in our ears. My father stood as the last of the firelight was waning and shouted, What do you want from us? Go away! He drew his pistol from the holster on his belt and fired a single shot into the air. It wasn't until that moment, that otherwise insignificant amount of time, that we realized how much danger we were in. The muzzle flash from the pistol, for only a very brief second, illuminated the forest past our field of view from the smoldering fire. There were hundreds of them, standing in rows and rows all around us, as if the forest itself had become these people. There were no more trees, just body after body of strange, ragged, disheveled people who we could only assume were there to harm us. Run, Haley, run! I got up and ran for it. I didn't have my pack, gear, not even a flashlight. I just ran blindly into the forest. Behind me, I could hear my father yelling and more shots being fired, then a scream, and then silence. I kept running, my heart pounding, my lungs straining to pull air out of the cold night. Branches lashed at my face and arms as I ran through them without care. Maybe it was partly because of the fear and other pain that I didn't even feel my head slam against the trunk of a large tree. I fell and remembered no more from the night, knocked unconscious from the sudden and fierce blow to my head. When I woke, I was soaking wet, laying in thick underbrush on the forest floor. It was light out, but I couldn't tell what time of day it was or even what day it was. I pressed my hand to my face and pulled away a dark red stain on my hand from where I had smashed my head. As if being called by name, my head began to feel like it was splitting with pain in the area I had touched. I rolled over for the pain of it and covered my eyes. 
I knew I couldn't stay here. I had to get up and keep moving. I stood, carefully, slowly taking in my surroundings. I had no idea where I was, not after running blindly into the woods. No supplies, no equipment, no landmarks whatsoever to even find my way back to the camp. Trying not to let desperation overwhelm me, I pressed on, deciding to keep moving. The light of the day, however, began winning faster than I anticipated. With no gear, I was stuck huddling under the base of a large tree, trying to pull every bit of my body and jacket together to hold in warmth. The cold was one thing, but when I heard my dad screaming his lungs out in the middle of the night, that made me shake, shake uncontrollably where I sat. The screaming pierced the night for two hours until it finally ceased, leaving the forest in cold silence. I shivered then, unsure of what to do. I wanted to help, but how? It was pitch darkness, I had no equipment, and I was still suffering from my head injury. As the sun broke through the trees, I got up and began moving again. Laughing again, laughing coming from the trees just behind me. I turned and saw them, this time eight or twelve of them, and they were standing, they were walking toward me. I turned back to my path and ran, not sure where, but just trying to put distance between me and them. Not realizing I was coming to a slope, I put my right leg forward into open air and then began to tumble. An uncontrollable roll down a muddy hill and off a small cliff. This is it, I thought. I've lost. Lost all control. Lost everything. In this moment of hopeless abandonment, my body hit water. I was plunged into cold snowmelt water. Resisting the urge to gasp, the second I submerged, I paddled my way to the surface. Swimming, grasping for the shore on the other side of the river, I pulled myself out of the frigid water. Shaking violently from the cold, I crawled as fast as I could away from the running water. I grasped a tree root and pulled myself upward. Looking back at the river, I could see the figures of the men standing in the open across from the flowing water. They just stood and stared, not moving, not attempting to cross the river. They turned and began walking back up into the woods. At first, I had no explanation for this. Why have they left me alone? Standing up, I walked slowly past the tree I had pulled myself up from. I immediately noticed that the trees on the side of the river were far more dispersed. Not 100 more feet into the woods, I saw the bright colored canvas of camper tents. I had, miraculously, stumbled into a dispersed campground in the National Forest Park. Campers were sitting by fires, cooking up breakfast in the morning. As I approached, several of them gasped and then ran over to assist. Before I could get a word out, good Samaritans from multiple campsites covered me in blankets and were making me plates of food. Park rangers were also there very quickly and took down my story with a mixture of interest and disbelief. A search party was organized by the afternoon to look for my dad. I couldn't bring myself to participate, go back into those woods. They never found any trace of him. They never found any trace of anyone. After a week, they called off the search, and I was questioned further on my involvement with my dad's disappearance. There wasn't anything else to say. I write this to warn others. Be careful in the woods. There are people out there, and not all of them are there to explore, hunt, or camp. Protect yourself, and always stay vigilant.